Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The Square Ball Podcast. The Square Ball Podcast is brought to you in association with Levi Solicitors. Thanks to them for supporting us. For 10% off your legal fees, head to levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. Hello, welcome to the Matchball Podcast for the Luton Away victory. 2-1 to Leeds. We've convened in the studio straight after full time. My name's Dan Moylan. No Michael today. However, we do have Moscow White. Daniel Chapman. Am I enough? You're going to have to be enough, whether you want to be or not. I don't want to be. I want that lazy bastard to be here. Is it something called a family party? Whatever his, one of those is. His family don't like him. They don't want him there. Uh, we have had a little bit of input from Michael. Uh, I received a WhatsApp message from him. His uh, his words are, fucking yes, that's my input. So that's Michael for today. Well, is it all right if that's my input and I just go as well? Fucking yes. Right, see you. Good luck, Dan. I'm not sure anyone... It deserves half an hour of me uh, monologuing it at all. No. Um, so let's talk about this game then. Uh, 90th minute winner. That was very, very nice. I mean, we'll come on to the commentators in just a bit. So let's talk about the game first, if we could. Uh, we made heavy weather of it again, but dominant from the outset, pretty much. Yeah, first 15 minutes, we seem to be doing that thing that we've spoken about before on this, where there's 15 minutes of working out what the game is like, how it's going. And then between then and half time, we were absolutely pelting them and it seems I don't know if it's related to our struggles to score but there seemed like this definite idea in the side that we are going to get a goal before half time there was a the classic bit was matches click running to get the ball so we and putting it down for a goal kick to speed their keeper up it's only about half an hour gone and uh, the number of chances we were having the amount of possession about 73 possession nine shots five on target 23 crosses only six of them actually did any good but it, everything about the, that performance between 15 minutes to halftime was we are going to batter Luton today. Halftime score nil nil. <laughs> very, very Leeds, wasn't it? But we did get there in the end. And I think we should talk about Patrick Bamford because we've given him enough criticism when he's not stepped up to the plate. Today, whilst there were a couple of misses in there and he could have had a couple more, let's talk about that first finish. Um, well, we can talk even before that. We've got him hitting the bar in the first half when him and Tyler Roberts were almost getting in each other's way, but it was still, it was a really good sorting his feet out and could have been a goal. So he could have had um, a hat-trick and what it comes down to, I don't care how many he misses as long as he scores two. That's fine. Um, and they were both really good finishes. I was catching... Uh, he didn't actually score the second one. That was an own goal, but... Lies. <laughs> <laughs> Who is saying this? But um, as they were saying on Radio Leeds as I was driving in for this, 
you've got to, Noel Whelan was making the point, you've got to be in that position and force the defender into it so he's done his job. Well, exactly. I think there may be, there's that debate about who gets the final touch and all this, but it's not like the defender scored. It's not like a Lee Dixon chipping uh, David Seaman from 30 yards out. It's Bamford's there and because he's there, one of them touches and the, the ball goes in the net and uh, the the beautiful feature on the, the second goal is not just the way it was scored but the way that their goalkeeper reacted as if he turned around and he was he'd just seen JFK being shot his eye his hands cover his face and he drops to his knees and then he rolls on the floor as if he's been shot so I don't know if there was somebody in the Luton crowd with a gun sniping them they kept it very quiet if so there was remarkably little panic outside of the, the goalkeeper's six yard box if that's what was was going on um, but he was having his own private torturous nightmare while um, while Bamford got stuck into the Luton fans. <laughs> that was good fun. That was a nice bit of shithousing from Bamford. Uh, credit to him. And that, let's talk about that, that first goal then because it was a hell of a good finish. It's not often you can uh, beat the keeper at the near post like that. So the keeper is going to be disappointed for a start. But that's exactly... You know, we were talking in previous weeks about Bamford going through on goal and putting his foot through it and putting it in the net. He's done it. Yeah, there was... Uh... Just before I left, I, I saw Jermaine Beckford talking about that goal on LUTV and they were replaying it. And he kind of goes, that first touch, mm. there's this kind of thing where he's like, and, and I mean, you could say the same about him at Old Trafford, that first touch. Mm. Um, but he knew what he was doing. Bamford clearly had that picture in his mind of I've got, well, I'm left footed. I've got this big bastard defender on my right. So I'm going to get it on my left foot and then see what happens from there. And he just, he got the angle perfectly. He got the strike perfectly. There was one earlier in the season, I can't remember who it was against. It was during his long, long, long goalless run when he missed by about a whisker shooting across goal. This one inside the near post. Um, yeah, absolutely brilliant finish. And uh, and yeah, there was the, the point where he was he was going to go and celebrate with the players, but then he decided, no, actually... These guys are right here. They're about they're about a foot behind the goal, so I may as well see if any of them uh, want to have anything to say. And if anybody out there wants to make a gif of it very quickly, you'll see, um, as you're looking at it, it's sort of to the lower right of Bamford. I think it's in the, the front row. There's um, a kid doing a, a double wanker gesture at him, which is pretty spectacular. Yeah, double wanker. Yeah, mm. Better than your single wanker. Well, that kid seemed to think so. Yeah. Parents must be very proud as well. Uh, but no, a great finish. And I, just talking about what he did in the run-up to that, getting his body across the defender, being strong, um, did all the right things. Yeah, it did what we wanted him to do for 10 games and, and failed to do. But Yeah, the, the first touch, I think what you could understand what Jermaine's talking about because you could either go one way and you're kind of moving into the middle of the goal and you maybe got more of it to shoot at. But Bamford was quite smart and maybe it's related to his his thoughts about whether he's going to finish these things, but he, he put the ball in a position where um, the defender could only foul him if he was going to get it. He would win a penalty um, and it was on his good foot. So he had a better chance to to score. So instead of going off, yeah, he made it maybe more difficult for himself to play those percentages of maybe getting a spot kit, but then also giving him a, a good chance to score. And um, and if he can score, if he can shoot in at the near post underneath a goalkeeper like that, as easy as that, what has he been doing for the last... Well, let's, many let's look, look to the future and look at what he's done today. Which well, it's good as well. And that's yeah. uh, on top of the penalty. That's his first open play goal in, in even longer. Because so, that was always, that was what you could hammer him with after that penalty. As, as in fact, you I did, was you did. <laughs> saying it was, uh, it was like a five-year-old's math test. That was, uh, I think he's passed his GCSEs now. 
It was a really, really good finish. And yeah, enjoyed the celebration a great deal, shithousing. Um, what did you think, though, when that equaliser went in? I was like, oh, not again, Leeds. A lot of it seemed to be about um, the tackle on Izzy Brown that set up the goal. And we haven't mentioned Ben White running the, the length of the pitch. Like, Well, let's talk about that because I like Ben White. Like Franz Beckenbauer in his Leeds-hating corrupt pomp. Did he get the assist for that? First one. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody, I think Calvin Phillips got the tackle on Izzy Brown that the Luton commentators claimed was a foul. I've got the commentary if you want it. Do you want to hear it? I would like to hear it because I was, I had uh, LUTV were were my supplier of choice today because I love the leads. Bryn and Ben, friendly couple, flower pot man. Right. Yeah. So uh, (laughs) this, this takes it from when they claim the foul uh, with Izzy Brown, which it's not, by the way. If you if you see the replays of the clips of it, it's not. He just he tried to turn him, didn't get there. Not a chance. It was a foul. It's Calvin Phillips is absolutely just stormed in on him and won the ball, hasn't he? But see if you can detect just the the merest hint of salt in this one. Shinny cuts in field, flicks it off for Brown. Brown turns, he's tricked. Referee's tricked. Oh come on! Izzy Brown there is tripped as the ball went past him. Referee just watches on and Lees are now on the attack. Inside the area is Bamford. Bamford with a shot and scores. Patrick Bamford has scored at the other end. He races clear, but that is a foul on Izzy Brown. You love to see that, don't you? <laughs> well, the problem with it was, as sweet as all that was, um, I don't think we dealt with the, the aftermath of it all very well. It got the crowd up. There was Then there was uh, Ailing went in on that player and it wasn't a particularly bad tackle but he got the the free kick and if you want an injustice I I would like to know what the uh, the Luton commentators take on Potts shoving Luke Ayling in the face right next to the referee in the face <laughs> he got him in the face to quote um, Millwall uh, I follow chaps and he did he was he, he put his hand right in his face and pushed him away and if if that had been Ronaldo in the Champions League he would have been on the floor rolling around but it's Luke Ayling never goes down without a, a strong tackle or a, <laughs> a, a, a reason for him to, to hit the floor so it's, he, he basically walked over to the referee and said you've just watched him shove me in the face are you going to book him at all which he didn't and so it was all getting quite fractured and um, and for some reason yeah for five minutes after that we went to shit, and Izzy Brown, um, it's no surprise. I was not surprised when he cropped up with that assist. I was only surprised that he hadn't scored, because I think he was feeling the injustice of the, the goal more than anybody, apart from maybe Luton's commentators. Um, <laughs> and yeah, he just got free um, in our penalty area. And then um, when you look at the where everybody was... Was it Ailing who was caught between the two of them? Everybody was just caught everywhere. Berardi, for some reason, is on the left, is at left back. And um, I don't know who it looked like. Was it, it was either Harrison or Dallas was underneath the cross when it came in. But, but either way, somebody who should not have been there. Everything had just gone all out of kilter. And um, and it, it seemed to be some some aspects of, I can only pin it on some aspects of the atmosphere, seemed to uh, affect Leeds more than it affected Luton. It gave Luton... Um, you know, I mean, we've all been in games like that where you see a decision go against you and you suddenly get that thing like, right, we're going to get... It was the first thing they'd done in the fucking game, basically. <laughs> um, so it, it did uh, it did rebound on us slightly. Yeah, on Ailing as well, it was uh, Easty, um, who's on Twitter, Easty underscore LUFC, who said, can we nominate Collins for the villain of the week for having the audacity to out Ailing Ailing with all these, in quotes, fouls? Yeah, there was... Um, there was the one in the penalty area as well. Was it James Bree who went down looking for a, a penalty and even his own teammates were just not really having it? There was, and the, the Nadir Luton hit at 1-1 was when they had um, they spent ages lining up a free kick on halfway on the wing 
and then swapped uh, for another taker who was about 60 yards away. Oh, right, no, you should take this. Um, so there was a... But we get that every week and it was... The game was not out of character with a, a lot of what we've seen where it is... Um, yeah, we we always complain about us having... Well, we don't complain, but I suppose we do complain. About, <laughs> oh, we do. About us having stuff like 75% possession and struggling to get shots on target. But the real complaint is maybe about teams getting 25% possession about leads and being like, right, that was the plan. That's what we want. We'll, just, we'll be behind the ball. Luton were behind the ball. They were trying to catch us on the counter. Um, which they, they, they nullified us out wide as well, I thought, in the first half. Well, they're going to when they've got eight players behind the ball. It's difficult to, to get through that. And we saw it all the way through the second half in particular when they really tightened up. We had the, we had better chances in the first half because it was a, there was a bit of a hint of Luton going forward. Um, but after that, it was just, yeah, everybody in the in the penalty area and don't let these guys get a shot away is basically the the tactic. And then it's it's our fault for having 75% possession and not doing enough with it. I mean, credit to them. They had us on the back foot, though, after they equalised. For a time, it looked like that one might have got away from us. We've been in these situations before and you think, ah, we know how this one goes. Even after we'd scored, I thought there was probably an equaliser. What, in injury time? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there nearly was. Well, exactly. There was those uh, those free kicks and corners coming in. I just had that feeling of... Mm, um, we don't concede two goals in a game. You're all right. Well, we shouldn't concede one. I was quite annoyed that we actually let our uh, our, our decent defensive record go. And I was I was warming up towards the end. I was like, well, we, this continues the theme of one point away and winning at home. But then I was like, Luton. Can't just have a point at Luton. So um, I'm glad we uh, we did more. Yeah, I mean, the difference is with the two clubs is for Luton, this is going to be one of their biggest games of the season. And you could tell that that was reflected in their commentators who were, you know, screaming when they scored, screamed. Um, But for us, it's just a ground out, difficult away win at a club that, well, they they dug in, didn't they? That was it. There was one telling moment, I think it was in the first half when they did break, um, because they had a couple of, uh, Izzy Brown was over halfway a couple of times. And um, I can't remember which of their players it was, but he ran the length of the pitch with the ball. And then Berardi and White kind of teamed up on him and got him in the corner and tackled him. And when they had the close-ups afterwards, Berardi and White, they've just run the length of the pitch to get back and stop this from happening, business as usual. And that guy looked absolutely shagged. Like, it was he he needed a good five minutes to recover from that, um, whereas we just carried on. And that's the first half. So you've got Luton running themselves ragged to try and get a result against Leeds. And Leeds just being, because we've got the Bielsa fitness on our side, um, which maybe is a factor in the scoring and injury time. Yeah, well, you took the words right out of my mouth then. Um, I was just about to say that you think maybe it was just a case of persisting until the death when you, when it gets stretched. We've still got that in the tank. This was possibly the, uh, the perfect um, illustration of how Bielsa does have a point. We all... We all want changes and we're like, come on, get a big lad on and start lumping it long up front. And it is frustrating when we just play the same way for 90 minutes and nothing happens. But um, we do have those things, those factors do become more um, important. Our fitness and our strength later in the game means that we're more likely to outperform the opponents. And um, and it must be difficult to withstand 90 minutes of Pablo Hernandez just constantly peppering good passes into your box. It's not like... It's not like we were bad going forward today. Um, we were using the ball well in the, the late stages, the last sort of 10 minutes before we actually scored, you could see it was this, these diagonal balls finding our wingers in the, the left and right of the, 
the penalty area, particularly getting it to Elder Costa, who would always have some space on that side. Um, and really making Luton work really hard. It's not easy to defend against. Uh, when you go inside to side, it's not, is it? That's, that's half the thing. It's um, like overload on one side and then spread it to the other side, isn't it? Find the space. And then yep. they've all got to move across. And then we've got Pablo's brain so that even if there's not a lot of space on that side, he'll still find um, the pass and get a good ball in there. And uh, and they also, we you know, don't like to give Luton too much credit, but that keeper did really well. Um, where we did fail, where I was annoyed slightly, um, it's not just Patrick Bamford that needs to learn how to finish. I think we all need to learn. If Michael was here, if he could be bothered, if he cared, he would tell you that a better way to score is to shoot either side of the goalkeeper instead of just straight into his hands. I think that's something we will maybe if we uh, if we're preparing this coaching manual for Marcelo and his team, which they need well, from it us. Looks like it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, how many times did uh, did Matt Click just shoot straight into the goalkeeper's arms? You thinking? The other side, just the, the space where the keeper isn't is a really good place to put the goal, the ball when you're shooting. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Let's talk substitutes then, because they were quite interesting today, I thought. First introduction of Clark, Cooper on for Berardi. So let's let's dissect those. What have we got from that? Yeah, I don't know um, what to say about Berardi. I thought Berardi was doing fine, but it may be... We we obviously did get better when Cooper came on, so um, there must have been something Bielsa-ish. Well, he's a better defender. Yeah, I think it comes down to that. There was, uh, and they made the point on um, I don't know if it was uh, Bryn or Ben that you're getting your captain on. So um, and he has been in brilliant form this season. So I think it may have just been a case we just need a um, calm head and yeah. yeah, and a better defender and somebody who is uh, he's the first choice. So it's that feeling of. Uh, um, However, I rate Berardi. I think he, I think he played well today, but he is coming into a, a team that is very settled, and so 
when you want to get to a, a plan. Calm head. But then we say that um, Jack Clark coming on for his first appearance of the season, so that was a that was a wild card. And um, it's funny because before that, um, I had been looking at uh, um, what was happening, and I was thinking about it was when um, Helda Costa came on first for Jack Harrison, and I'd just been thinking that because this time last year, maybe a little bit later in the season. This is around the time when we started just playing that Jack Clark wild card. We'd get to half time, and we wouldn't really be doing anything. It'd be nil nil or one one, um, and we bring on Jack Clark for Jack Harrison was the change every single week, and it would be go and do random stuff. Um, and I was thinking, I was kind of just half daydreaming about whether that would happen. And then lo and behold, there he was in, instead of uh, Tyler Roberts, and uh, it's good to see him. It's good to see him. <laughs> well, you got the kind of the impression today that Bielsa felt like it was the wide areas where that game was going to be won because it was a bold move to, you know, it doesn't change players easily, does he? But for him to put, um, it's not, it's never a bold move putting Pablo Hernandez in your side, but to then take Costa out mm. um, just to keep the balance. It's an interesting move. But then with the subs as well and, and taking Roberts off, just moving things around across those front three that are supporting Bamford. Yeah, I think with Jack Clark, maybe there's a case that... Uh, with a change of management at um, at Tottenham this week, Clark gone into Bielsa and said, "Look, I don't want to have to. Don't make me go back and play for Mourinho. Whatever this, whatever clause you have to trigger, so they can't call me back. Please just give me enough minutes so I can stay at Leeds. I don't want to play for that that shit house." <laughs> <laughs> What's um, uh, Rob Bakshi of the Telegraph christened him the the Warnock of Setubal is uh, Jose Mourinho, which I think absolutely nails him. Um, so maybe we're going to try and use Clark enough to keep him for the rest of the season. But then with Helder Costa, I think there was a... Helder Costa did well when he came on, I thought. Um, they both did. Both Clark and Costa stretched the game the way they were required to. They came on, they both got good possession and would use the ball sensibly. I don't think either of them gave the ball away in any particularly stupid way. Um and it was uh, it was a wide area, even though it was ailing to click that um, that scored our our winner. But with Costa being benched for Hernandez, I think there was that's where that performance as substitute had to come from because he's had that run in the team and he's basically not been good enough. So there's not a question; it's not a difficult thing to get Pablo Hernandez back in, and um, and he has to sort of. I wonder if he's been told that it's like right that was your first chance; you've not taken it. So now Pablo's back in the team and you're going to be trying to prove yourself from the bench again. If you want to get back in the team, you've either got to uh, injure him or uh, do or perform really well from the bench. And I thought he was he was good today. I thought, uh, particularly in the, the last few minutes, the injury time part, he was the one with that message of, um, you know, let's just get it into the corner and I'm going to keep it here for as long as possible and, and get a good pass to a teammate. Um and yeah, Clark, there wasn't that magic uh, moment from Jack Clark that we used to get last year when he first came on. There was one when he when he had his first run and he was putting the ball on his, his right foot, but putting a massive telegraph kind of, I am going to faint to my left in a minute. I was like, well, this game's not really changed. Um, <laughs> but he did it. I think he uh, I think he got round the, the defender in that moment on some of his... Uh, his one-twos and his passes with Stuart Dallas down that side was looking really good. So um, it's good to see him because, you know, he does exist. We did loan him for a reason and he was good once. Um, hopefully, you know, 
he can get his career back on track in the limited time he has remaining before his retirement at the end of the season. Because <laughs> he's finished, as we've spoken about many times, completely finished. No, but was, if he's not finished, Mourinho will finish him. Yes, it, well, it was good to see him back. It, it really was, because as much as we've kind of said he's, he's not been up to it, he needs to start playing and he needs to start proving himself really to justify the transfer. And what is he? Is he 18, 19? I've lost track now. Is his, was it his birthday today? Might have been, 19. I, I did think. see something yeah. about that. Right, so he's turned 19. So really, um, he's got, plenty of time I think that £10 million transfer if he'd never been transferred to Tottenham and he'd had the season he's had where he's just trying to get himself back together in the under-23s and Bielsa kind of hinted at that being his problem he said that you know he's just he's, he's just working to get back up to the level that he's shown before and he's he's working hard at that and we're showing what he needs to do if that was all he was doing you'd say that was fine for a, an 18 year old we don't the, I think the problem with uh, Jamie Shackleton is his injuries, but we don't worry too much about him not being a first-team starter. And Robbie Gotts is on the bench every week and never plays, and he's <laughs> like 18, 19. And we don't, we don't worry too much about like his his career isn't over just because he can't get into uh, the first team of a team that's trying to win. I'll be honest, Ian, Hart, Ian Hart hasn't helped on Twitter by stoking the fires over this. He no. hasn't. And the whole £10 million transfer to, to Tottenham hasn't helped because you're suddenly looking at him as a £10 million winger instead of looking at him as a 18, 19 year old Red Bull addicted child. So <laughs> he has uh, he has plenty of time to, to work on those issues. It's just that transfer is absolute madness. There's a degree of that with Costa as well. He's not. He's, you can tell he's not up to the level yet. You can tell he's not. He's getting there and he's showing moments of it. And I think if we can give him that little bit of time, maybe to back third of the season, last third of the season, we might see more from him. Seasons do like they are long, especially in uh, the championship. We've got forty six games to go out, and that's why um, I was kind of not the recall clauses thing. Obviously, changes things, but with Enketia, um, for example, I was like, well, if he doesn't start scoring goals until February for us, that's all right. We might need him to score score, score goals in February. You can only have eleven players on the pitch at once, and it's same with Clark. If if he does stay around and he suddenly becomes important for the running, nobody will care. Uh, what he was doing in September, October, because it's a long time ago, but if you go back to the 1989-90 promotion, we didn't sign Lee Chapman until January. We signed Chris Kamara um, in January, February, because uh, we needed more experience than David Batty. Everybody thinks David Batty was one of the, the best players that season. We were getting to the end and we're like, we took him out. It was Chris Kamara in the, the team as well instead. Um, so there's still, you know, there's a, there's a long way to go and, these, and players can... Form is true, you can, and especially at that age, you can not be doing it in September and you can suddenly come into form in January and uh, and break into Tottenham's first team. <laughs> well, back to today's game then specifically. Do you think we deserved that? Marcelo said on balance we deserved it because we had to fight for it. said we deserved it. Do you, do you agree? There's only one team trying to win it, wasn't there? Apart from for five minutes when they were a bit upset. So, yes, we deserved it. Um, and we, we won it with quality as well. The The first goal was quality. The second goal is a beautiful little ball from Ailing, a good ball by uh, Click to get it across, and it's it's a move that we've seen Leeds do over and over again. It wasn't off the cuff; it wasn't some random thing that happened. It was Leeds scoring a very Leeds United Bielsa goal. Um, so that kind of discipline um, is a tribute to them. Really, sometimes it, it can be hard watching Leeds United do these things over and over again, and then Patrick Bamford misses, but. When it works, you've got to pay tribute to them for having that single-mindedness to just go, right, we're facing a, a deep block of nine players and we're just going to do what we do because it will work. And then it worked. And the bare facts are we are in a better position now than we were this time last year. 
we are. We're second. We're in the promotion place. I don't know exactly what it is points wise, but um, it's only West Brom with a was it a late winner? Some ridiculous last. <laughs> yeah, last it was goal. eighty eighth minute penalty. But Derby have done us a favour against Preston, so they're now three points behind us, and then we've got. Fulham, Forest, Swansea and Bristol. Only Forest can get it back, back to within two points then. Oh. Are they playing tomorrow or something? Something like that. Who cares? Uh, yeah. Midlands football, irrelevant. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I mean, we are, we're in the right place in the, the league. There was the uh, the other statistic of today is it was our 1,919th 1919, victory. yep. Yep. Um, it's a shame. I think we should go back. If we're nominating villains, it should be the... Uh, the players and the management who didn't win enough games for the the Birmingham game to be that win. And the other crucial thing from the table is at 34 points now after 17 games, two points per game. It's what you need. Yes. Good. Uh, heroes and villains then, early candidates from the games today. You threw me then because I thought you were saying that like at this point in the season they're changing the rules and it is now only two points for a win. Um, heroes and villains, I think uh, heroes, Kappa. The kit. Looked lovely. I'd, we need dark numbers on it. Um, mm, maybe they do have dark Kappa logos on the sleeve, don't they? Yeah. So maybe that will carry through. I quite like the um, the sort of white kit by stealth aspect of it because it does look very pale. If you're like doing a QPR, <laughs> not quite that bad. Um, but it, it would pass for a, a white kit un, under certain um, circumstances. So, um, but no, I really like it. Now I've, I've seen it. I think that's and the. The the yellow, white, and blue, dark blue trim, spot on. I think that really finishes it off. So, well done. Will I be buying one? No. I'll be waiting <laughs> for the square ball to produce a rip-off version. <laughs> well done. Because I can have that for free. That's the company line, yeah. Yeah, well done. Uh, in terms of villains, we've got to nominate those uh, loot and commentators. So, for anybody who's seen the clips or, or watched it via that means today, hilarious. I mean case in point was when they were just so angry about the most benign things uh, that, I mean, like the, the Casilla one, we've got the clip of it here that we've um, pinched off Twitter. What did Casilla do? Well, have you not, I think he just, there was a second ball went on the pitch and he just, oh yeah, he just booted it, it out of the stand. Yes. Happened to go over the stand, but it's a very small stand. Yes, um, I could boot a ball out of that stadium. Well, this is what they had to say about it. Oh, two balls on the pitch now, somehow. Oh, the Leeds keeper there has just belted a ball over. Well, is that not a booking? Ungentlemanly conduct or whatever. He's cleared the ball over the Oak Road roof because two balls are on the pitch. That's surely got to be at least a talking. There's no need for that. I think dumbfounded is probably the only word I can use to probably describe my face <laughs> at the moment. And not only has he cleared, he really has cleared yeah. it. Someone's car or house is going to be in a lot of turmoil from that, from that strike of a ball. But again, surely if he did that into the crowd, yeah. it'd be ungentlemanly conduct. Exactly. It's frustration from the keeper, isn't it? Looting are getting to it. Looting again to him. The clip Looting again to him. Yeah. I mean, what the fuck? I mean, booked for trampling on Mrs. Jenkins' tulips at number 34 in the houses. Like, Shut up. There's a lot. Shut up. There is a lot to un- unpacking that. Not just... Grow un- up, man. Ungentlemanly conduct or whatever. Just like make up a rule. Whatever. Ungent- <laughs> like, is it, was it violent conduct? And then the whole stuff about um, if he had... Well, yes, if Cassia had booted that ball into the crowd and... Not an injured Mrs. Jenkins herself, never mind her tulips. She took a ball to the face. Maybe you'd have a word. And then the whole thing, what is this commentary? To disc- That's the only way I can describe my face. 
That's not commentary. Don't just, don't sit there on Radio Luton or whatever it is, going, well, and Luton have got the ball and my face is uh, is developing a twitch. My uh, my cheeks are, are glowing slightly redder. <laughs> quick, um, up, quick update, sorry to interrupt you. So the name of the commentator is Simon Pitts, which is a great case of nominative uh, determinism, isn't <laughs> he it? He was the yeah. Pitts. Uh, and his handle on Twitter is at Simon Stato P. Oh, and, don't uh, do it, people. Leave no, 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 he's locked his account. <laughs> Just locked his account. Okay, I'm too late then, aren't I? (laughs) Oh, superb. But when he does unlock it, which I'm sure he will in future because he clearly (laughs) needs the attention, just say hi to him. Congratulate him on a day's hard work done well. Ask him if he's been round to see Mrs Jenkins and see if her tulips are all right. (laughs) I mean, really. So uh, any other heroes from today? Bamford, do we want to put him in for hero? Oh, obviously, yeah. Three goals. Yeah. I'm giving him a hat-trick for the own goal and also the one hitting the bar. I'm giving him all three. So good to see him back with a hat trick. And um, as I said, you know, for hands in the air, we do hammer Bamford for not scoring. Um, and he, there were a couple of that header, more power, and everyone around him kind of shared in that guilt of shooting at the keeper. I think he had a, a couple he might have done better with. But it does not matter if, like today, he scores three goals. He can miss as many as he as he needs to do that. And, you know, we, we I think we outlined before two one really good finish and then the other one um, just making it happen. Right place, right time. Um, and he's looked, just to underline how good that second goal was maybe, um, he has looked sometimes, I've had a problem with him hanging outside the box and not rushing in when there has been a like a cross, flashing across. He's missed quite a lot of those and you've wondered if he, you know, get in the fucking six yard box, he was a seven million pound striker right there today. When it matters as well, to be doing that in the... Uh, the last minute of a match, we were praising the the fortitude and the strength and the fitness. He had it all on that today. So, um, yeah, Patrick Bamford. And uh, final word then for Angus Kinnear, who is a Luton Town fan and is also the managing director of Leeds United. Mm-hmm. wonder how he's feeling this evening. Are we nominating him as a villain? No, we're, this is an entirely neutral piece of commentary. I did write down I wanted to nominate Kevin Nichols as a villain for this. Just because... Just because, yeah, because he is. Uh, this was the Kevin Nichols derby, and um, and it has gone our way. So that's wherever he is. I hope he's crying into his uh, his Lars Elstrup mug. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what else. Whatever, maybe a pillowcase. Right. Well, we'll reconvene with Michael on Tuesday. To Do we have to? It's better without him to go back over the bones of this one and see if, if you're got... uh, if you want to tweet at us and and tell us whether you want Michael back or whether we should just carry on with uh, me and Dan. Seems to be all right to me. I'd like him back. Right, fuck you. Then. <laughs> <laughs> we'll reconvene on Tuesday then with Michael. Yeah, and we'll uh, we'll go over the bones of this. See if we've got anything right, anything wrong. I think we've got everything right. Well, we normally and don't. nothing wrong. Do you know why? Because he's not here getting stuff wrong. Fair point. Right, we'll speak to you through the week. Then thanks for listening. The Square Ball Podcast. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at fifty dollars luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 